from the CDE Foundation. This is Lunch Bites. Hi, everyone. I'm Glennon Stratton. And I'm Karen Warner. Welcome to Lunch Bites. Here on Lunch Bites, we talk with educators about innovative practices, resources, and practical solutions to benefit our students and our greater education community. Hi, Glennon. It's really good to be with you today. Tell me, what's on your mind today? Well, I'm really excited about our recently announced upcoming event called Expanding Opportunities with STEAM. It's our first time as a a STEAM symposium planning team. We've never been able to offer a spring event. And so we're doing that on May 18th and hope people will go to steamcalifornia.org to learn more about the event. As we talk about that, Karen, what comes to mind for you when you hear Expanding Opportunities with STEAM? Mm, You know, as I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is really advancing equity. The way I see it is, It really gives a chance to expand hands-on activities that embrace that joy of learning, really get students connected again to learning and themselves as learners. And I think the best way to connect kids to the joy of learning is having them do science, having them do things instead of just reading about it, just writing about it, the whole communication of it. So I really see it as advancing equity that way. That's so great. And it really builds on how I see it. You know, you're, you're talking about developing students. I really love to see the development of individual voices. I and mean, that can be student voices, that can be community members, that can mm-hmm. be partner organizations. And as I say, partner organizations or community organizations, increasing the number of those organizations and partners uh, and deepening relationships with these organizations can really support student development. Oftentimes in K-12, we get insular and forget that we can partner with many organizations in our communities to help advance student growth. And so with that, we're really excited to welcome our guest today, Michael Funk. He is the director of the Expanded Learning Division at the California Department of Education. Michael, can you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your background? Sure. Hi, Glennon. Hi, Karen. Nice to be with you today. I um I've been at the Department of Education. I'm in my 10th year, which is hard to believe. But before that, I spent over 20 years in the Bay Area, mostly San Francisco, was the founder and executive director of a couple different initiatives there. But primarily, if you've heard of the notion of a full service community school or a Beacon Center, I was the founder and director of the Sunset Neighborhood Beacon Center, which partnered with public schools and ran community programs, making the school a community center. Many, many, many years ago, I was a middle school science teacher and a coach. I was an ordained minister for 14 years. So I've got a full resume, but I consider myself a lifelong youth worker and someone who's dedicated with a purpose to really support youth and communities. Wow, that's a wonderful expanded life, it sounds like to me. I really appreciate you sharing that. At the top of the podcast, Glennon and I were talking about expanding opportunities with STEAM. What comes to mind for you? Well, several years ago, we changed the name of my division from the after-school division to the expanded learning division. Basically, after-school is a a place and a time. And those of us in community-based organizations and in 
local educational agencies that have really recognized the value of informal education and community education uh, is a new term that uh, we're starting to adopt, community educators, those people who have dedicated their lives to working with young people, but not in the formal school setting. Very powerful, knowing that it only enriches the learning that takes place in the formal educational structures when young people and families and communities can experience and expand their horizons to engage with things that are meaningful to them that they choose, that they have a choice in the shape their environment. So banded learning has been really about helping our purpose statement at the Be Considered was helping people find their passion, their potential, and connect with their community. And I think that's really the essence of this. You know, I think it's really important what you just said about having choice, being able to make those choices and make them in your community. It really feels like there's a paradigm shift in what you were talking about with expanded learning and the environment uh, to learn in. Can you talk about your vision for this shift? I'll mention my vision in the context of the reality. Some people are talking about learning loss and what's the challenges that young people and families have faced during the pandemic. And I have a, a bit of a different take that learning doesn't stop. Maybe the students, maybe the young people weren't learning what the system prescribed for them to learn, but they haven't stopped learning. We never stop learning as humans. I just was exposed to a document from the Oregon Department of Education just yesterday. And it said, student learning, unfinished, but not lost. And if we take the approach that students have been learning and we figure out what kind of supports and opportunities these students need right now, then that is the vision of expanded learning. You know, we talk about the challenges that students faced during the pandemic. Well, the reality is, is that the system wasn't serving a lot of our students before the pandemic. The educational system as designed left students behind and in fact harmed some. I'm not talking about the intent of individual humans. I'm talking about the design of the system. So that in that system, there were students who were not seen, supported or prepared. And we have to seize this moment, moving out of the pandemic with all of this funding coming down, with our returning back to school, we have to take this moment to make sure that all students, all students deserve to be seen. I mean, that seems simple, but that's, if I see you, I know you. I'm inquiring about you. I'm curious about how you're doing. I'm checking in with you. We, in other settings, tend to call that loving people. We don't use that much in education, but I'm unapologetic, lead with love, and we'll get to learning. So that students will be seen, supported, and then prepared. That's our challenge. And expanded learning is part of that. And, you know, that's a challenge that some districts are trying to figure out how to do that with just the resources that they have. And sometimes forgetting that they're embedded in a whole community, even if it's a small town, 
There are small libraries in small towns. There's the Rotary Club. There's all these types of things. Then as you get to larger communities, there are community-based organizations, informal science centers, so many different places. So to get to this vision of every student seen, supported, and prepared, it needs to be a community solution. Not one institution can take this on. There is a lot happening right now for you and for your division and a significant amount of money that's going into this, addressing this learning recovery. And as you said, you know, the unfinished business of uh, some of this learning. What would you say are some of the key components that people should keep in mind as they're looking at how they can tap into what's happening in their community and what's happening in individual students' lives? Well, so much of my focus in the last couple of weeks since my division was given the assignment of administrating the Expanded Learning Opportunities grants of $4.6 billion. For those of listeners that are not part of K-12 education, these are not grants that uh, the community can apply for or even districts. It's an allocation of money to districts. That's a formula. It's an allocation of funding to school districts that is intended to help support student-centered needs as students return back to class or back to school. So for community partners, you need to know that every school district in the state of California will receive a significant amount of money from the state, not even to mention the additional federal funding that's coming from the American Rescue Plan. So the legislation AB 86 encourages local school districts to engage and partner with community-based organizations and expanded learning programs. It's not a requirement, but it's an encouragement. Why is it an encouragement? For all the reasons I said before, this needs to be a community solution. And our expanded learning organizations, our community organizations tend to have a closer proximity to the students and families. By that, I mean, most of the staff of those organizations especially community-based nonprofits, live in the same neighborhoods. They look like the children and families. And in fact, during the pandemic, when districts lost contact with many families, it was the expanded learning staff, the community educators, who on their own, in most part, went out to connect with those families. I didn't say find them because the families weren't lost, but they connected with them and checked in to see how they were doing and made sure they had resources, and in many cases, were the bridge back to the educational institution. Our expanded learning programs, our community-based organizations, have been experts at social-emotional support for the well-being of humans for as long as they've existed. And so now, all of a sudden, this Expanded Learning Opportunities Grant talks about supporting kids socially and emotionally and mental health and all of these whole-child approaches Guess what? These nonprofit organizations have been doing this for decades and longer. And so what a beautiful partnership to see these, the humans who really understand how to help our children learn academically, those formal educators partnering with our community educators to create this beautiful cluster of support around our children. One of the greatest uh, examples of that is to talk about a contrast between summer school and summer learning. 
When we think of summer school, most of us conjure back to a time when we might have been asked to go to summer school for a few weeks because we didn't do so well in a class, or it was primarily seen as remedial and not quite seen as something that we wanted to do with our summer. For a lot of children, it felt punitive. And for some children, not. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to cast a broad blanket because my own daughter went to summer school this two summers ago before the pandemic, and she had a blast. And it was a more traditional summer school. But summer learning takes the best of community educators and the best of K-12 educators, brings them together to create this kind of hybrid between summer school and summer camp that kids love to go to. And they're on field trips and they're doing hands-on science and activities. And the certificated teachers that are there typically also experience a joy of being able to teach with more flexibility and freedom than they've had in the structured classroom. There's no curriculum to pace. So this summer is an amazing opportunity to do this summer learning, which is like Think of a summer adventure of learning. Call it something cool. Kids will relate to it. Families will love to bring their children there. Teachers will love to come. There's one district here we interviewed a couple of months ago on the Fireside Chat. They actually have to make teachers apply to be part of their summer learning program. There's such high demand because teachers want to be there. So all of this are just concrete examples of let's reimagine what is needed and what is going to support children the most. Uh, you asked a question several minutes ago, Karen, about you know the added responsibilities and the, the grants. If I was to offer one poignant piece of advice, as LEAs, local educational agencies, are thinking about how to spend this money, do what you know to do, do what your heart is leading you to do, start your planning with the students first, with the students' need. There's so much flexibility in how this money can be spent, especially in the Expanded Learning Opportunities Grant. There are many districts who are reaching out, well, can I spend this money on this curriculum? Or can I spend this money on this technology? Or can I spend this money on these kind of field trips? Or, you know, and they're looking for us to give them guidance on how to approve every different type of expenditure. The reality is, we're not going to comment. We're not going to. We're not going to be looking at every type of expenditure and saying yes or no. As long as you can, with integrity, tie the expenditure back to supporting the student's well-being or the family or your staff, then you're going to be fine. And that's the intent of this funding right now. Michael, I really appreciate that explanation. It really helps me understand more deeply. And also I'm feeling the joy of summer bubbling up inside of me. I'm excited to see what people envision and make happen for students, especially this summer. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Did you know the California STEAM Symposium team offers year-round professional learning opportunities? Visit steamcalifornia.org to learn more. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Michael Funk, the Director of the Expanded Learning Division at the California Department of Education. 
And he was just sharing a bit about the expanded learning opportunities grant funds for learning recovery prior to the break. And he really highlighted that these funds are meant to support student development. And I'm curious, Michael, are there some specific examples of what you've heard from LEAs and their plans of how they're going to use these funds with this grant? Yes, thank you, Glennon. Well, first of all, there's there's some examples of some of the challenges that LEAs are facing. Let's just for a moment of empathy for what LEAs, I don't like acronyms, for what district and local educational agency leadership is struggling with. They're all faced with trying to safely reopen schools in some fashion as we record this and faced with the challenge of creating plans for the fall and plans for how to use this money and that money, all with the uncertainty of not even really knowing how many students are really going to come back. So there's a lot going on. And in the context of that stress that school district and school officials are facing now, some are just saying, you know, I I know this funding is supposed to really focus on supporting children this summer and students this summer, but we don't have time to plan. So we're just going to focus on the fall. And that's understandable. But I wanted to highlight I've heard of specific districts that have recognized that they don't have time to come up with their own solution. And like the kind of theme we've been talking about so far with the community solutions to these opportunities, there was a district that stated, well, the money's flexible enough for us to go ahead and pay the registration for those students to participate in community events, community opportunities in summer camp, in summer learning run by an outside organization like a community-based organization or an informal science center. And it's important for the community-based organizations and the informal science organizations and the libraries and the parks and rec departments to know that this money can be spent on those opportunities for children. It's that flexible but the district might not know you're there. So how do you find out more about this? Well, first of all, you can go to the California After School Network webpage. They're partnering with us. You can go to the California Collaboration for Educational Excellence webpage. They're partnering with us, all with very concrete solutions on how the money can be spent. So educate yourself. It's not going to take a long time. It's not that complex, but focus on understanding what you have to offer students and families and how you can partner with your local school district, your local charter school, whatever it is. Find out who your local governing board of education, your local leadership, and figure out a way to communicate to them what you can do to help. And if you're a local educational agency, a school district, charter school, a local principal, just please know that you're not alone that there's a community surrounding you that wants to help and support every one of our children need to be loved and supported and cared. And there are enough humans to do that. Maybe not in one institution, but if we think collectively as we should, there are enough of us to uh, really support children in the way they deserve. Thank you so much for sharing, Michael. 
you know, one of the things I've been talking to some community-based organizations and one of the recommendations we've had in terms of connecting is to lean into the relationships you already have. This is a good opportunity to rekindle, reconnect, and think about how can we repartner or partner deeper during this time with these grants. You had mentioned a couple of organizations. Are there any other resources or websites or events happening that you want to make sure people are aware of? Yeah, on uh, on May 5th, we are in partnership with the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence and the California After School Network. We are hosting a statewide virtual conference called A Whole Child Approach to the AB86 Expanded Learning Opportunities Grant. And we have nearly 50 or more workshops that are, if you're wondering, well, it says we can spend the money on mental health supports or supporting students with special needs or English learners or summer learning or a multi-tiered system of approach to this fact, any number of things. So we're bringing on the experts, both in California and nationally, to do interactive, informal, meaningful presentations in all these workshops, three different plenaries, featuring Karen Pittman from the Forum for Youth Investment and our state superintendent, Tony Thurman, a plenary featuring the Californians for Justice organization. And we're going to wrap up with a plenary featuring three superintendents from districts in California and a meaningful conversation about how they're approaching their strategy for this this moment, this time. And so May 5th, the expanded, the whole child approach to the AB86 Expanded Learning Opportunities Grant. If you get the superintendent's COVID-19 weekly newsletter, there's a link there to how to register. It's being promoted by the CCEE. California Collaborative for Educational Excellence. There's a link to registration on the California After School Network webpage. Because the California After School Network is involved, I've heard some K-12 people say, well, that's, that's not for us. That's expanded learning. Know that most of the presenters in this workshop, in this day, this entire day, are coming from a K-12 perspective. So it's for you. It's going to be a very concrete resource and we'll be recording certain segments of it. So there'll be artifacts for people to access if you heard this podcast after May 5th is over. And we'll be sure to link to the registration and the event website in our podcast notes. So you'll be able to click right to it if you hear this. Before we let you go, Michael, we have three questions that we like to ask all of our guests. What are your hopes for students? Well, at the risk of redundancy, I'll say it again. Hope is sometimes uh, not the best strategy. So we want to be intentional that students are seen, supported, and prepared and loved. That's my intent. Well, I'm wondering, Michael, where do you go for inspiration? My own kids. We've got to start with family when I know what is best for them. And I work so hard to provide opportunities for them. And then I realized that that's what every child deserves. Every child deserves what my kids receive. And I could say more. I mean, I have mentors and people that inspire me and so many things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it simple. I'm going to start with my own family. It's a good place to start. All right. I have one more question. 
you've given us a lot of really good information. What is one takeaway that you would want a listener to leave with after listening to this podcast? Seize the moment that there's a sense of urgency that's before us. And the future of our children is in the balance. Seize the moment. I want to thank you so much for joining Glennon and I today and giving us such great information so that we can help people make decisions as they go forward. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Lunch Bites is made possible through our partnership with Chevron, the human energy company. To learn more about their generous support of STEM education, visit chevron.com slash sustainability. Lunch Bites is produced by the Californians Dedicated to Education Foundation. Our executive producer is Allison Peter. Our editor is Darina K. Guerrero. All of the recordings and resources mentioned during today's discussion can be found on steamcalifornia.org.